0: Hi everyone, welcome to Drifting on Purpose. I'm your host, Azriel, and always joined by my co-host, Addy. And on today's episode, we're gonna talk about a book by David Brooks called The Second Mountain. And this book is really discussing this concept of that there's two halves of life. And to really uh, kind of give you really what that is, I'm just, I'm just gonna read directly from the book itself. So, David Brooks says, Every once in a while, I meet a person who radiates joy. These are people who seem to glow with an inner light. They are kind, tranquil, delighted by small pleasures and grateful for the larger ones. These people are not perfect. They get exhausted and stressed. They make errors in judgment, but they live for others and not themselves. They've made unshakable commitments to family, a cause, a community, or a faith. They know why they were put on this earth and derive a deep satisfaction from doing what they have been called to do. Life isn't easy for these people. They've taken on the burdens of others, but they have a serenity about them and a settled resolve. They are interested in you and make you feel cherished and known and take delight in your good life for these people has often followed what we might think of as a two mountain shape they got out of school they started a career and they began climbing the mountain they thought they were meant to climb their goals on the first mountain are the ones our culture endorses to be a success to make your mark to experience personal happiness but when they get to the top of that mountain something happens They look around and find the view unsatisfying. They realize this isn't my mountain after all. There's another bigger mountain out there that is actually my mountain. And so they embark on a new journey. On the second mountain, life moves from self-centered to other-centered. They want the things that are truly worth wanting. Not the things other people tell them to want. They embrace a life of interdependence, not independence. They surrender to a life of commitment. Woo! <laughs> I love that so much. It's so powerful.
1: It really is. Um, I mean, it's such a great message. And I mean, how oftentimes, especially in our society, do we climb that first mountain thinking, you know, I'll be happy when I have my dream job or when I make X amount of money. And how many people do we know who are at the top of that mountain and really deep inside maybe aren't as fulfilled as they'd like to be?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear so many stories of famous, uber successful um, what do you call social media influencers that have committed suicide or people that are struggling with depression all these sad things but it's the focus is on fame money all these other things that we think and society has told us are what we should desire but in reality don't feel that satisfaction don't doesn't feel that aliveness that deep satisfaction in our hearts and our souls
1: Absolutely. And it kind of goes into the next point about, um, you know, that Brooks tries to drive home is the concept of happiness versus joy. Mm. Um, so I'm going to sort of read another excerpt from the book um, yeah. to really kind of hone in on, on his um, thoughts around this. So he says that, that happiness tends to be individual. So you measure it by asking, are you happy? Where joy tends to be self-transcending. So happiness is something you pursue, whereas joy is something that rises up unexpectedly and just sweeps over you. Happiness comes from accomplishments and joy comes from offering gifts. Happiness fades. We get used to the things that used to make us happy, but joy does not fade. To live with joy is to live with wonder, gratitude, and hope. And so people who are on the second mountain have been transformed. They are deeply committed and the outpouring of love has become a steady force mm-hmm. and the one point that i want to drive home here is gratitude i mm-hmm. mean how often i mean for me especially you know when i'm sort of in this place of uh struggle i always come back to gratitude yeah. and it helps to me reflect on my days you know, what I'm grateful for. And it really does shift your whole sort of outlook on, okay, like this is the joy that I'm feeling. And it doesn't come up all the time, but there is that warm and fuzzy feeling of like, there's so much to be grateful for. And there's so many things that I have in my life that are wonderful. And it's usually my family, my connections. It's, it's things that aren't totally external and materialistic, but more about, you know, just vibing with somebody or finding that connection or, you know, leaning with love. Um, And so I really love this point because happiness and joy, yes, they exude similar feelings, Mm -hmm. but the underlying current is totally different. And I just, I love that he points that out.
0: Yeah, I agree. And just to kind of like piggyback off of the gratitude train here, gratitude is one of the most powerful practices anyone could start having in their lives. It is it is said and studied um, that if you do a gratitude journal once a week, not like every day, like some people, t- like once a week, you are X percentage, 20% happier, 20% more likely to do physical activity, 20% to be healthier. It just boosts across the board because you can't be grateful and sad at the same time or depressed at the same time we can feel sadness i'm not saying that but i just mean it's hard to be sad or you know mourning something but also be grateful for it it's hard to have those feelings at the same time so to focus on gratitude on what we do have what's coming my way my own innate abilities and talents is such a powerful practice oh I
1: totally yeah. And it's so easy to do. I mean, it, it. and I love that you brought that point up. So thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, just having that gratitude journal or even mentally just yes. preparing yourself before bed to get into a state of thank you rather than like, oh gosh, like I'm not gonna be able to sleep. I have X and Y and Z to do it tomorrow. Like I can't believe this person has that, whatever it might be. Yeah. Just being so self-aware and really cognizant of making that time to get into that headspace, I think is so important. Um, and it's fine. Cause you know, I do it with my daughter every night. I always ask her, okay, three things that you were thankful for today. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way for us to connect. It's a great way for her to go to sleep on a, a positive note. And um, you know, it helps me too. Cause it, I just love hearing what she's grateful for. And um, you know, at such a young age, it's like already she's starting to pick up on it. And I think it's the coolest thing ever. So
0: I hilarious I do that with my kids
1: amazing yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't do it every night I would like to get better at that but I do do that for the same exact reasons yeah. to go to bed remembering the good things of life rather than going to bed and thinking about what didn't happen or what could have happened
1: exactly exactly yeah,
0: that is that is really cool that we both do that yeah I love it <laughs> And I just to, just to kind of go back to the whole idea of the second mountain again is, right, the first mountain is I'm climbing, I am doing what the world has set, told me to do, which is to go to school, find a profession, get a lot of money, have the successes, have the, have the house, excuse me, have the house, have the family, have the dog, have the car, have the things, have the lifestyle. And that's it. That's the American dream. Right. And Brooks is pointing out that when you get there, if that's all that is for you, if that's it, it's kind of it's kind of a shallow reason to actually to get there. There's so much more to it, which is these things of having joy, of having love, of having family and of having what a commitment to something in our life being committed to your family, be committing to your purpose, committed to your dreams and your desires that go beyond just me as an individual, but as a collective. Um, And I think it's really fascinating. I'm I'm also going to read another little snippet of the book, just because how can you not? He says it so well. And so I'm going to talk about the committed life. He says, our commitments allow us to move to a higher level of freedom. In our culture, we think of freedom as the absence of restraint. That's freedom from. But there is another and higher kind of freedom, and that is freedom to. This is freedom as fullness of capacity, and it often involves restriction and restraint. You have to chain yourself to the piano to practice for year after year if you want to have the freedom to really play. You have to chain yourself to a certain set of virtuous habits so you don't become slave to your destructive desires, the desire for whatever, alcohol, the desire for approval, the desire to lie in bed all day. As theologian Tim Keller puts it, real freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones so much of our lives are determined by the definition of freedom we carry around unconsciously in our heads on the second mountain it is your chains that set you free it is your chains that set you free chaining yourself to virtuous acts so you don't you're not slave to other undesirable acts
1: It's so true. I mean, you think about where you want to put your energy, right? You know, you don't want it scattered around. You want to focus on things that lift you up and bring you joy. And, you know, when you're constantly distracted or you're constantly shifting from one thing to another, because maybe you start a job, right. And all of a sudden six months down the road, you're already looking for something else, right. Um, when that, energy is so scattered. It's like you need to find the, the grounding space in order to commit so that you can be your best self.
0: Yes. And I think of commitment equal to saying I'm going to be a disciplined person. Oh, no. Discipline. I don't want to be a disciplined human. I want to have freedom. I want to have the freedom and the joy and the ability to do what I want when I want. But in reality, when we're not committed to to scheduling our time or having disciplined routines, then we don't get to have that freedom. We don't have the time there's never a time just to go out and do something it's hard to be spontaneous because of all the stuff that just comes your way it's like. Just it's just like dust on the wind just coming and flying at you whenever it wants to, rather than taking control of it and saying. I set a schedule and I'm committed to this process and committed to my goal or committed to my purpose and I can formulate it and see it and find a way to get it.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a fun concepts that um, I always think about, you know, I, I mostly apply it to fitness routines and stuff like that, but you almost have to think of, of your commitments as, sort of like a new job, right? So you start a new job and your benefits don't kick in right away, right? It takes maybe a couple months for them to, you know, to get your health insurance, to get your your company um, 401k and all that stuff. And so that's kind of how I look at this too, is like, you know, commit to something and you're not going to see results or you're not going to see um, the fruits of your labor right away. Mm. But if you continually to show up and you continually give that space um, or your commitment, time and effort, you know, over time you will see that come to fruition. And so, um, not only is about committing, but I think patience is something that really needs to come into play here too. Um, when it comes to, you know, freeing yourself from your chains.
0: Yeah. Committing. Yes. Goodness gracious. Absolutely. Committing to something, doing it with diligence, Mm -hmm. doing it with patience, doing it with persistence and having something that you're committing to we're not saying commit to just whatever just a job just because no we're saying this commitment is commitment to your life's purpose it's something that's going to fill you with a passion that draws you to it inevitably yeah that it's just deeply within you, you know, it's a capacity clamoring to be used, to use Abraham Maslow's words. It's this, it's a propensity to Mm self-actualize. It's there in all of us, but getting clear, clarity, excuse me, getting clarity on this idea is super powerful and to be, and then to find it and to say, I'm doing it, I'm committing to it is, there's a lot of freedom there. There's so much freedom.
1: And so some of you, babe, some of you listening might be like, okay, well, what is my purpose? How do I get there? You know, and it's not always an easy answer, right? Mm. And so another point in this book is about answering the call. Mm. And because he said that so well, I'm going to read another part of the book Mm. um, to sort of help you as a listener figure out, okay, how can I find my purpose? How can I get there? And so here we go. Um, So if you're trying to discern your vocation. The right question is not, what am I good at? The harder questions are, what am I motivated to do? What activity do I love to do so much that I'm going to keep getting better at it for the next many decades? What do I desire so much that it captures me at the depth of my being? In choosing a vocation, it's precisely wrong to say that talent should trump interest. Interest multiplies talent and is, the mo- in most cases, more important than talent. So the crucial terrain to be explored in any vocation search is the terrain of your heart, your soul, and your long-term motivation. Knowledge is plentiful, but motivation is scarce. So again, coming back to making the time, putting in the effort, and you may not know right away, but I always think, you know, take the time to explore yourself. Think about things that interest you. Maybe you want to try to get good at guitar, and schedule some guitar lessons, take them for six months and see how it feels. If you decide, and eh, this isn't right for me, it's not feeding my soul, my heart, or my long-term motivation, try something else, you know? And it's, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, speed dating <laughs> where, you know, you want to, you keep on, on, you know, discovering things about yourself that you want to do. And some may stick, some may not, but again, having the motivation to to really uncover and find your purpose You'll eventually get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think also something I just want to tell everyone who's listening or watching or, or tuning in is that be kind to yourself with this process. And just like Addie said, it takes time. It really does. And you pick one thing and try it out for a while and know that purpose is mysterious because depending on where you're at in your life, purpose changes. Something that I've now grown known as a grown adult, I'm trying to say, is that I had a, thought I had a purpose when I was in my teens, when I was in my 20s, 30s, and now 40s, right? And I think about, oh, I wanted to be this thing in my 20s, and I'm not. So it's like heartbreaking. I'm not that. I don't have that same purpose. That's still not doing it. Well, guess what? It's because I changed. Mm -hmm. I'm different now after this journey of life up the mountain and down through the valleys, you know, walking through the jungle and going through the swamps of mystery, like I'm a changed human. So my desires and my purpose are new to me now. But committing to the discovery of my purpose, that one thing that I really would love to do, I did it with a friend, that's how I was discovering my purpose and said, I'm gonna step out and say, I'm gonna be a coach. I'm gonna to go to school to learn this new thing at you know, mid-30s, like that was hard decision to do. But with someone else in my corner, with a colleague, with a friend, with a, with a best friend, with a partner, with a mom, with someone, you might have an opportunity to talk about this that is like-minded to help you discover your purpose as well. So I just wanted to give that friendly tip. You're not in this alone. You have people to talk to and you can exactly. ask them their questions.
1: Yeah, no, I love that so much. And that's such a great point to bring up is that, you know, we're all, we're evolving, you know, humans every day, we're evolving into different forms and and different um, versions of ourselves. And so I love that you brought that up is that, you know, a purpose that you may have had when you were in your twenties, it might look different in your thirties. And so there's never any failure to finding your purpose. It's just redirection. And, um, finding those people that are in your corner and that are going to support you uh, no matter what direction you want to take. It's really good to have. So great point. Thank
0: (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And so I guess as we wrap up today's episode, um, you know, we hope that this leaves you with finding your purpose um, or at least getting out there to find your purpose or be on your path to your purpose, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can't wait to hear from you if you have questions or anything like that. Um, We can't wait to to hear from you and hope to catch you on the next episode.
0: Yes, absolutely. Good luck on the journey, you guys. Mm -hmm. It is full of ups and downs certainly is have grace on yourself and know that it's out there for you and you can find it and you're at the right place at the right time you are headed in the right direction keep going you got this we're here for their journey with you we'll see you next time
1: bye guys thanks for tuning in